tortoise. Annabel Hernandez is one of Mexico's most fearless and feared investigative journalists, but her work comes at great cost, and here she discusses the threats to her life and to her family from the cartels with Sky's special correspondent, Alex Crawford. It is an absolute honour and pleasure to be sitting next to such a dogged and determined journalist and probably one of the most brave in the world, if not the most brave. Um, I've just returned from filming a documentary in Mexico um, and really witnessed how much of a stranglehold the drug cartels have on the country and the effect it's had on the whole of the society there, specifically against women. Um, I've covered a few wars, too many wars, and um, it seems to me that there aren't bombs dropping in Mexico, there aren't shells landing, there aren't soldiers fighting in trenches or reporters alongside trenches, in trenches with them, but there's an ongoing war there. And the, um, the statistics are sort of eye-wateringly shocking, particularly about women. You know, women being tortured, killed, raped, raped disappeared, beaten, sold as sex slaves like commodities. And it's also probably the most dangerous place in the world for a journalist. Now, you're a woman and a journalist. So there's two strikes against you. Um, I guess what I want to know is, I mean, in a room full of passionate, dedicated, fierce um, journalists, what, what, what is it that drives you to do it? Well, first, thank you for in, in the invitation to come here. For me, it's, it's very important to, to talk to the international community of, of journalists, not to try to say that I am kind of a special person. We know we are not. We are just ordinary people that believe that can do little things to change all this mess, not, in, not, not just in Mexico. In all the world, it exists a, a big mess, and we journalists have a duty to do something about that. So in my case, um, I, I, I have been a journalist for the last 30 years. I mean, more, more of the half of my life. And um, was one moment in my life in 2000 uh, I was already a journalist, but uh, my father was kidnapped and murdered in Mexico City. He was a middle-class businessman, and he was kidnapped but, but because money. And um, when I saw his body, I really understand that this corruption in Mexico hurts that exists many victims, like my father, that will never get justice until the society and ordinary people like me do something. So I really decide to confront all the organized crime in Mexico. And the worst part, the people in power, the businessmen, the artists, the nice people that protect these monsters. So I decide to do that, and this is my war, my personal war. 
Mm, but you've had incredible success. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> um, you've had incredible success, remarkably, in actually exploiting the links between the drug cartels and the politicians, the drug cartels, and almost every layer of society in Mexico and beyond, because it's not just Mexico, right? Um, give us an, in, uh, an indication of just how layered they're... They, I mean, I saw they, they seem to have a stranglehold on businesses, on politicians. They'd infiltrated the police. The president. The president. Goes right up to the president. Not just in the past, right now. Mm -hmm. So tell, give us a, a... So those people who aren't so familiar with what's going on in Mexico, and also you feel really strongly about how it's, it's not just Mexico. It's here on the streets of London as well. So uh, this is an important pa part because um, when, when I am invited in this kind of conference, we are so focused always what, about what is happening in Mexico, poor Mexico, poor Annabelle, poor, uh, poor savage country. Uh, that is happening in the other part of the world. Yes, it's sad. I can cry sometimes, but that doesn't, it's not my life involved there you are really very wrong. And I have been saying this since 2010 when I published my book, Narcoland, about the power of the Sinaloa cartel and how this power is growing in all the world. I mean, it's growing in Mexico. I mean, they buy just Mexico. They are the owners of Mexico, this huge cartel. And uh, because corruption, yes, because in Mexico, we have a lot of corruption, but one question, why this cartel has presence in the 70, 70, 70, 70% of the world? How? How this, how this is happening? Because the corruption is everywhere. Because the consumers are everywhere. So all these ties that the Sinaloa cartel were able to do in Mexico, they are doing this in China, in UK, in France, in Italy, with all the big, biggest gangs in the world, Albania gangs, Romanian gangs, Chinese gangs, Russian gangs, local gangs, everywhere, because they understand that if they do a huge network, they can have a big business. So they have a war in Mexico with the little cartels just to, 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 to have all the control in Mexico. But outside, they are a businessman. And they have clients. And these clients are you, modern, modern, and very democratic countries that pretend that this is not your problem, but it's your problem because you are the biggest consumers. So it's really insane that now new generations, just play me this, new generations think, oh, God, it's horrible. It's a biggest crime. Um, trash, uh, uh, throw a plastic bag in the ocean because poor turtles, poor little fish, fishes, this is a mess. We cannot do that because we are killing a turtle. But you can get a line of cocaine. You can get some pills of methamphetamines. You can have some fentanyl. You can, for you, for new generations, that is not a crime. Maybe with a plastic bag, maybe one turtle could be died, could be killed. But it's certain, sure, 
that if you buy a gram of cocaine, you are killing someone in Mexico, in my country. And this is not moral. This is immoral. Sorry, because I mean I have to take I have to take the chance to I mean yes I'm I'm, I'm hungry I'm, I'm hungry it's not personal with you but this is the truth yeah. no but you also think that people are kind of burying their heads in the sand don't you if they don't think it's going to affect them and other countries and other economies sooner or later the focus is on Mexico. It's interesting, though, that it's taken you, an individual journalist who doesn't even, um, is not a staff anywhere, you don't, you don't have to kowtow to any um, editor, you've done it on your own, exposing the, the very top links between the chief of police, the president, but it took 10 years. What, give us an idea of why you think it took so long and why it was left to you. To expose it. So the story behind this is that on 2006-2011, um, through some sources inside the government and some sources inside the cartels, I was able to get notice that the Secretary of Public Safety in Mexico, the federal, I mean, he was one of the most powerful policemen in Mexico. He paid a lot of money to the media to talk well about him, that he was the super policeman, that he, he was the hero that was combating against the cartels. And I was able to get and prove with documents to, uh, I do a very deep research about his money, his properties that doesn't correspond with his salary. And I was able to show, to prove, when he was in charge, no after, when he was in charge, that he was in the payroll of the Sinaloa cartel. That he wasn't working for the citizens. He was, in, was working for El Chapo Guzman, for all these um, powerful people in Sinaloa cartel. So um, when I published this, no one wanted to believe, no one wanted to hear. Even if, if I show documents, the properties, no one wanted to, to, to believe. But you know, this is our work. We have to keep doing, keep doing, keep doing. I, I really believe in long-term investigations. You want to get some justice, you want to get something through your, your work, you have to keep, keep, keep. Many people say, oh, Annabelle, this is something, one, something personal from Annabelle against poor Garcia Luna, poor guy. <laughs> Annabelle is the worst one, but uh, I keep doing my job. This cost a lot for me and my family. He wants to kill me. Um, He's tried to he, a couple of times. Yeah, he, he, he sent couple, 11 huh? gunmen to my house to try to kill me. And now he's in jail. He was sentenced just this year, um, guilty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, but sadly, was not in Mexico, because in Mexico, the justice doesn't exist. This happened in the United States, and we know how is the justice in the United States, but at least we have, we, we, we got this. The sad, the sad, the, the, the tragedy is all his people, all his right, right hands, all the people that operate for him now are in very 
high-level positions in the new government that pretend to be new government against corruption. You know, the government of this guy, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the current president that supposedly is from the left, but uh, he just hired all these corrupted people. And you can understand why Mexico still be a big mess because bad people is still in power. So yes, I I I I I think I I, I view the things like in, in this way. I I won a little battle, but the war, not yet. It's difficult, I imagine, working in a country where almost everyone is tainted by corruption or coerced into into it. How how did you manage to withstand that? Um, how did you manage to avoid being um, sucked into it? Um, and also, how do you get your sources to talk? Because you haven't been able to protect all of them either, have you? This is a very interesting question because, um, of course, to, to get there inside the cartels, as I was able to do, take me a lot of time. It's not just one day, oh, yes, and you, do you want to talk with me? And No, no, no. I'm, I have been investigating the Sinaloa cartel for the last 17 years. So it's a long, long time to working and working, digging, digging. And um, so I, 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 I try, I, I have three strategies. First, I'm not crazy. I don't want to be a hero. I'm a mother of two. I have my husband, I have my family. I, I don't want to be a victim. Even if no one else remember my name, I don't care. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be alive and, and do my job. And so I have to do my job very carefully, smart. I will never accept to get silent, never. But I have to, you know, be very careful. I know when, when investigation is very hot and I just have to wait a little bit and then again start. And as the cartels, the Sinaloa cartel have penetrated to the government and many levels of the society, I found one way to penetrate them. And now I'm really inside because I am, I am inside of their families, wives, lovers, mothers, daughters. Right now, there are very important sources of me. And now I'm, I'm trying to investigate. Okay, we are, set, we are watching the violence. I, I understand that. Now I explored all the parts of the corruption, okay? But something is missing. Why they got, these guys are doing what they are doing? It's just money? No, it's something else. So I'm trying to understand why. Who makes you, who makes them powerful? Why they want that money? Why they, why they want that Ferrari, that huge house, all this jewelry? They need people behind. They need people beside that said, oh, just you are a hero. Why you want a Ferrari if no one will be sitting up, uh, beside you? You need public, isn't it? So the public are this woman. If we, the governments in Mexico and different parts of the world, are able to understand that they, are, they have a weakness, and that weakness is the families, 
I mean, the top families in the organized crime organizations, the, there is the witness, and we have to explore there. So I'm doing this, and so I, I, I manage all these, um, all, these, all, all these steps to be able to keep my investigation. So right now, I cannot believe in Mexico because security issues, I have to live outside, but every time I go back to Mexico, I mean, um, once every two months and keep doing my job and, and, and try to manage and create every, every time new, new ways, you know, to, to understand. Mm. Well, I don't know about the drug cartels, but I'm scared. <laughs> um, tell me, you, you mentioned you have to live out of Mexico now. What was it that finally made you leave? Because you, you, your son was so used to and familiar with bodyguards even before he could walk. But what was the key thing that made you leave? Was it just you thought, right, now I'm a mother, I need to, I need to be looking after my family? Or did you think I need to be alive to be able to continue this investigation? The part of my country had been one of the most difficult things, decisions in my life. And I have to confess that um, was not really my family, because I don't know, it will sounds crazy, and I'm sorry. But when I was doing this, I really was very conscious that some something bad can happen to my family. And I don't know why I took the risk. But when these 11 gunmen entered to my house, tried to kill me, I wasn't there. But they took some of my neighbors. One little, the, the, the little daughter of my neighbor, she was just six years old, and one man put the gun in her head. So I understand that I became very dangerous for others. And this conscience that, okay, maybe I can't take my risk, but in my conscience, I, I cannot put in danger the people that is around me, they, these neighbors, I mean, innocent people, I mean, me too, but they didn't took the decision that I took. So I decided to, to live, to, to keep doing my job, to keep fighting. You said once that sometimes you thought that journalism was even more important than, your, than being a mother. Um, explain that, because I, I find, as a mother myself, yeah, I think that, that, it, it, you, know, you get criticized that, a lot. You know, I don't know, guys. I mean, we are journalists. How can we explain this? It's, it's when you really think that your work, your little work, your, I am ador an ordinary people, that, but I believe in the power of ordinary people. And I don't, I will not let to my country, to that cartels and to that corrupted government. So when I don't think just in myself, when I think about the tragedy that is, is in Mexico, that's where, why I said, okay, everyone could be my father. Mm -hmm. Everyone could be, could be me. So for me, that is more important, sometimes more important than being a mother. And I have to, to try to live with this. Annabelle, you are remarkable. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for listening to Truth Tellers from Tortoise Media in partnership with the Sahari Evans Global Summit in Investigative Journalism, Tina Brown Media, Reuters and Durham University. Tortoise is a newsroom dedicated to slow news and to support investigative journalism, you can join Tortoise as a member by going to tortoisemedia.com forward slash slowdown. Tortoise.